I just like you, Capiche? Tell to the cleaning lady on Monday. What? Because you'll be dust by Monday. Um. Because you'll be pulverized in two seconds. And the cleaning lady, she cleans up. Dust. She dusts. So, so, so what's on Monday? Because it's Friday now. She's the weekend's off, so Monday. Right? <sighs> Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. We're back to the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. It's me, Paul Wadlington, joined by Randy Boone. Randy... We're uh, doing this a little bit later in the week than we had been doing, taking advantage of the bye week, getting a little actual work done in our lives, you know, raising kids, doing stuff like that. But uh, I got to tell you something, man. I've had my first I live in Colorado moment, which is I got three inches of snow laying on my lawn right now. In October? Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that'll wake you up real quick. That's not the case down here. We are, uh, we're, we're rolling with about, uh, you know, upper forties mornings and nice upper eighties evenings here, but, uh, yeah, that's good. Well, there's, there's a reason winter Texans come down. Well, not necessarily to where you live, but they keep driving another, what, 50, 60 miles. Yeah. They, they, they roll down a little bit further just to make sure they don't have to deal with this crap. So just, just a tad, um, you know what I don't, so you had it, so you had to shovel snow or like, what's the deal here? No, do three inches. Come on. You just let it melt, or I, I, I'm not a Colorado guy. I've been there Ooh. like three times in my life. Let me get my headphones here and improve my audio quality. I've been negligent. Yours look a lot fancier than mine. You're a professional. Mine cost about 12 bucks. I think they're the same ones. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Mine is Sennheiser. What's yours? I don't know. You sent them to me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you got tired of listening to my crappy audio, and you said, "Hey, I'm gonna send you some." I think we do have they're, the same. You know what? I, yeah, I think they're the same ones. My memory's going, labeled. but yeah, man. Yeah. So a day ago, it's 65 degrees, beautiful blue skies. It's snowing today, about three inches on the ground. Uh, but it's Colorado, so it snows. Then the sun comes out, and it's beautiful. So theoretically, you know. When it says 32 degrees on your... Oh, it's different. Completely I mean, it's, different. it's a different 32 degrees when the sun's out and you're just up at altitude. It just, you know, I'm walking around in a sweatshirt and, and jeans and I feel great. And uh, two days from now, it'll be 65 degrees. Everything will melt and then we'll go through another cycle. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting weather pattern. I, I kind of like it. I like the diversity. 
but uh, I'm not going to like the diversity in, you know, early May when we get six random inches. Yeah, I've, I've never really been there other than, so we went to a couple of music festivals over in Steamboat. Um, and then this past year, we went up to, uh, to a, uh, a mountain and the name escapes me right now. I'm not a big skier, but uh, yeah, man, I love it up there. I just, I've never been there any time other than like, you know, the snow season. So I don't, I don't know how the rest of the, the rest of the time really works for, for you guys. You've never gotten six random. I inches? said you. You see how I said you guys instead of y'all. Y'all, yeah, you're you're getting <laughs> Yankeefied. I'm trying. I'm trying to you know insert my understanding of y'all's ways. I, I'm still a Texan, born and raised. I say y'all. <laughs> I I never have had that broken, and I I haven't lived in Texas in God almost two decades, sadly. But uh, you 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 overtalked my uh, attack on you wisely. I try to deflect those as much as I can. I was yeah. going to ask you if you'd ever gotten six random inches, but you talked right over me. It lost the comedic effect. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have a comment on that, but we'll do it off here. <laughs> well, I, I want to hear this one. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a little minor league hazing got out of, got out of hand. Yeah, no, it's, it's not that cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, you know what else wasn't cool? Texas yeah. went into Stillwater. We were full of hope and expectation. Texas, I mean, look, I'll say this. Uh, I never doubt that this team plays hard. But, boy, a lot of the things that we thought about Quinn Ewers, he reminded us that he's a freshman. And uh, Mr. Unflappable got flapped. And uh, it was interesting to watch. Yeah, he got, he got hit early. And, I mean, I've played that game as a far, far less talented version of a quarterback than he is. Um, but yeah, you get, you get hit early and then all of a sudden you kind of fall back on your first read and then you start throwing things a little bit earlier and they're supposed to be thrown. And then you make some good throws that don't really work out in your favor for various reasons. Um, I know a lot of been, lots been said about the wind. Um, some of which valid some throws are just that's that's not a win related throw i mean it's it's not i mean it just the wind doesn't come into play on that if you throw it correctly a lot of times he gets away with some some footwork um and he doesn't really drive the ball um in the wind you have to drive the ball on some of those long outs and you know longer throws but i think more than anything i mean he was he was throwing it a little bit too early and that'll lead you into a, a whole another rabbit hole of people being able to throw or uh, play the ball in the air or find the ball in the air. Um, but if the ball's thrown too early, then that makes that more difficult as well. But um, yeah, he, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to lie about anything. He, he did not have a good game and hell it happens to a, what should be a true freshman quarterback. And when he's getting pressure and, you know, I mean, you knew that game was coming at some point. You would just hope that you can kind of squeeze it in and minimize um, a little bit more than than what they were able to do. And we'll get into Sark a little bit later. But um, I think the biggest point you made last game was that Sark didn't fall into the trap of continually throwing the ball downfield 
um, just because it was open, which it was open a lot. I mean, we had guys running open a lot. Don't get me wrong. They were open. The throws were there. We couldn't complete them. But if you're not completing them, you got to make an adjustment and do something else because it just it wasn't working. So, you know, intermediate throws, quick bubble screens, leaning on the run game a little bit more. You know, something's, something's got to change a little bit there. And, and I think he did it well against Iowa State. Like you mentioned, I think that was your biggest takeaway, honestly, against Iowa State was that he resisted the temptation to fall into that trap. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from Oklahoma State is he did not. And we kept throwing it deep and kept throwing it. And I mean, what what was the worthy stat? 14 targets for like six receptions, four receptions, something like that. Four out of 14. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't care how open he is. That's, that's not a winning formula. 28.6%. I did that in my head, Randy. See, that's, that's why you're, uh, that's why you live in Colorado and a really <laughs> fancy house. And, I'm down here talking to my bookie underneath the underpass. I, yeah, I live in that fancy upscale community of Colorado <laughs> Springs that's so famous. Uh, no, I know that from from uh, the quick math of as a little kid, literally looking at, if you look at enough quarterback completion percentages and you look at enough baseball cards, you can just do quick averages in your head. I've been able to do that my whole life and it freaks people out sometimes. But, it, I'll, you know, if I, if I see a stat of a quarterback's 10 out of 19, I'm like, oh, that's 52.6%. And people are like, what, what are you, like some sort of brain man math prodigy? And I'm like, quite the opposite. I just know the percentages. It's weird. So the, the, the crazy thing about it is it, it really doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, what you're going for is risk management. And, and this was something that was revealed to me later in my pitching career that I wish wish was revealed earlier. And it's become a vital part of my current career and anybody else's. What what is the best path forward to minimize the risk to my company to make money or to succeed, which, you know, regardless of what your company is at this point in time, is probably to make money, right? Um at that point, Sark's got to pull the plug, man. It, it's not happening. He's got to lean on the running game. He's got to figure it out. And I know, I know we had a lot of success with the counter. Um, there's been a lot of talk about them stopping the counter in the second half. I haven't had a real good chance to go back and watch the game. I don't know if they really stopped it. I'll, I'll take your opinion on that because you probably watched it a couple of times. They may have stopped it a couple times, or they may have stopped a version of it, but I think there's offshoots of it that we could have probably continued to lean on to where we turn around and hand it to Bijan and Rojan, Bijan and Roshan. Um, and we kind of take it out of Quinn's hands and just let him be a quote-unquote game manager at that point. Well, speaking of taking it out of Quinn's hands, I made the joke in my post-game write-up, how does a quarterback go 19 of 49 in a modern college football game? And the answer is because you didn't pull him when he was 13 out of 32. That's, that's another aspect of it. I, 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 I get, I get the aspect of he's my guy. 
and I want to ride him and I don't want to mess with his confidence. But that's a very, very easy situation to be like, hey, bro, I don't want to run you because you're still nursing the injury. You're a little hurt. That's no big deal. Card seems like he's healthy now. Let's turn him loose on a little bit of the zone read stuff, scramble stuff. Try it. See what happens. You you just don't got it. You ain't got it, man. It, it's it's no different than the pitcher that comes out. You, your manager comes out in the second inning and is like, hey, man, you ain't got it today. We're going to roll you back in three days and bring you back. Um, I get Sark's you know, thinking of, no, we got to protect him. I don't think Quinn's that guy, that you got to protect his psyche. It just my general feel, I don't know the guy. I've never met him, whatever. But um, I think at any point in the game there in the third quarter, you'd be like, hey, man, we're just going to try and change it up just for the hell of it. You're still my guy. And then after the game, you win the game by four. Sark goes to the press conference and he goes, hey, Quinn's still my guy. We made a decision. He's a true freshman. Was a little wonky on him. Just didn't have it. That's why you have a good backup quarterback. That's why we used him. Quinn's my guy next week. You nailed it. Yeah, that is the pitcher in you talking over the quarterback in you. But yes, you know, it's funny. Quarter, quarterback in me does not want to come out of the game. Of course. I, well, agree. Sometimes, I agree with that. Sometimes yeah. pitcher in you doesn't want to come out of the game. I, I was True. laughing. So I was texting back and forth with Randy a little. Uh, and, but when the Astros, of course, were dominating the Yankees as per usual. And uh, Verlander pitched all of what, 66 pitches in game one? And they pulled him because that's, that's what the card says or whatever, right? Uh, that's what they've got Dusty trained up to do. Anyone, by the way, anyone who thinks Dusty Baker's making those choices, like just disabuse yourself of that notion. He's got a little uh, laminate card that's telling him what to do. Uh, but they pulled Verlander and Randy was like, I'm fighting someone if they try to pull me right then. And, and I get that. But also part of being a pitcher and the humble, the humble nature of baseball is sometimes you go out and you suck and you don't have it and no one's mad at you and they come out and they pull you and your pride's a little hurt, but you know, you'll fight another day football. There's a different mentality and, and I can't totally explain it because if you pulled a linebacker who missed two consecutive inside zone reads. No one's going, oh, well, he's, that's really going to shake his confidence. He can't play any more linebacker for us. No, he's, he's coming back in a quarter later. They're going to talk to him on the sideline. They're going to say, hey, man, when you see the guard doing that, he's trying to influence you. Just stay in your, stay in your gap and, and just make sure you, you chase the ball inside out. Come on, man. You're better than that. A football quarterback, unlike any other position, has this fragile psyche associated with them that if you pull them when they clearly don't have it, somehow they're going to mope and pout and, and never be able to play the game of football again. I will, I will concede that that is the case with some quarterbacks, but I think the vast majority sort, they play other sports and they, they, I mean, like you've said before at halftime, the, the players know what's happening in the game. A quarterback who's stinking it up, when he's on his second interception and and things aren't happening, he's he's well aware. You know, Peyton Manning once famously threw seven interceptions in a football game when he was a rookie. I think he was well aware around interception number five that he was stinking up the joint that night. Is that fair? 
No, it's completely fair. I mean, I like I said, I, I I played the game that he played. I didn't play it on the stage he did or anything like that, but I got hit early a couple times, and the, the rest of the game did not go well for me. It, it was not pretty. I was seeing Ghost. Um, it was very easy to throw it to the number one read because he was the guy. Didn't work out, like I said. I mean, I... I was one less interception than Peyton threw, as you just mentioned. Um, but it 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 wasn't pretty. Like I said, I mean, and you know, it was it ended my sophomore season and our high school team's year. But it it you you just try to not fall into that trap as a quarterback. But man, if you start getting hit early, I don't care who you are. You feel those footsteps. Like nobody likes to get hit in the face, right? I mean, the, the whole thing on Tom Brady's right. You got to hit him. You got to hit him. You got to hit him. You start getting pressure in somebody's face. I don't care who you are or how talented you are, and then you throw in the wind, which I will admit definitely had a factor in some of his throws. Some of them not so much, but some of them it did. Um, and then you roll into the fact that some of our guys are just offensively and defensively seem to not be able to play the ball in the air. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a tough deal for a freshman. I mean, he's a what, 18, 19 year old kid. That's, that's probably the first time all year that I've seen him really get affected by the rush, but it's the first time that I've seen the rush be effective. Here's the counterpoint to pulling him. Uh, which I think both of you and I were comfortable with the idea of pulling him and, and going with card. Yes. His best throws came at the very end of the game. <laughs> and then he, he made some great throws at the end that did not end up in his favor that were not his fault. Correct. Um, my, my biggest point on, on pulling him would be, I think you would, if you turn card loose to run on the zone reads or whatever, you unlock a, a different version of the offense. It's kind of the same thing with Quinn, right? So Quinn unlocks more of the offense. So card could have unlocked a little bit more of the offense than, than Quinn could, because understandably so, you don't want him running around getting hit. He had one really good scramble, got called back by a bullshit holding call, but yeah, whatever. I mean, it's we're not going to get into the refs and refs didn't. I mean, that's something we've been playing against for the last five years. I think we're going to continue to do it until we leave. But um, it's a tough call, man. It really is. I mean, it it it, it comes down to what Sark and his relationship is, and what what he thinks his psyche is. Um, me personally, from seeing everything that I've read and seen about Quinn. I think he could have handled it. Be like, hey, man, you just don't have it today. We're going to try something else. Hey, we could have tried card and run some zone read stuff and let him run a little bit. It doesn't work. Go back to Quinn. But, yeah, you're exactly right. End of the game, he made some really good throws that he was not rewarded for. You know, I, I will say there is some value. The, and the way you sort of broached it, Hey man, we got to go with card a little bit. We're going to see if we can do some stuff with him. Stand, stand with me, stand on my yeah. hip on the sideline. Mm -hmm. I want to show you a couple of things that, and just standing dispassionately and being able to get out of the, the emotions of the game and watch 
you'll see things open up. I remember one time, I mean, I remember this distinctly talking about no one likes getting hit in the face. I was sparring and I was sparring a guy who was a very good fighter. And he was kind of rocking me and he rocked me early and we were sparring. So he didn't like press his advantage and, and like try to finish me off or anything, but we reset and Richard Lord uh, called me over and said, Hey, hey let, let so-and-so jump in. Cause it was a pro fighter. We were just trying to give him round work. Right. And the idea is you take inferior fighters and you just throw it at him, and we try harder than he does. And you sort of wear him down and then make him dig deep. Right. And so that he pulled me aside and another guy was sparring him. And then I stood with him on the ring apron and he's like, watch, this is what he was. That's what he was doing to you. That's what he was doing to you. And I went, oh my God, I can't believe he was hitting me with that. And he's like, yep, that's all he was doing. He's like, how do you defeat that? And I was like, step to my left. And he's like, exactly. He's not going to be able to hit you. So that guy finishes his round. I go back into spar. I do much better. Obviously, he's a, he's a pro fighter. I'm not going to defeat him, but I wasn't getting tagged like I'd never been in a boxing ring before by a simple like slip hook. And just sometimes standing to the side and watching for a little while is does a lot of good for an athlete, particularly an inexperienced athlete. The best thing about minor league baseball as a starting pitcher is you get to go in stands for two of the five days or two of the four days that you're not pitching. And one day you're typically charting the game. The other day you're typically on the radar gun. And it, it teaches you so much because you watch a game from an angle where you see no depth. You don't see up, down. You don't see, hey, how good is this guy's sinker today? You just see in, out, up. Up down is a very very relative deal, um, and just like you said, it it teaches you, it teaches you so much about game plan because you can take that and then come in the dugout after the game or the locker room after the game and talk to the starting pitcher. And be like, okay, hey, I saw you attack that guy in. How are you attacking him in? Um, and I think it's kind of the same thing about like quarter to quarter adjustments or halftime adjustments in football. Um. What? Hey, what'd you see? You know, are are they shading you inside and slanting? Like, what's what's the deal here? And uh, I just think it's something that, man, I just, I don't know. Just watching that thing was tough from an adjustment standpoint because it it was pretty obvious early that Quinn was just not on. And even, even, I mean, Sark, Sark made the adjustment. He started trying to make like a little halfback throw here, or a little halfback throw there. And he's usually so good at those little like touch passes. And he didn't have the touch. Like it was like a bullet. And it just, it just struck me as a guy that he, he was trying to change something. He just didn't know what he needed to change. Um, no, it was, it was, it was a, because they played great at times, offensively and defensively. Um, never at the same time. But never at the same time. Special <laughs> teams is great. Special teams. Had, uh, so let yeah, me tell you. Other than, other than the miss, miss field goal, I mean, I mean, that's a winning performance from special teams. It's, it's more than a winning performance special well, teams. It's crazy, right? It, it's correlated. So if you look at just statistical correlations of games, 
If you block a punt, if the opposing team muffs a punt in their territory that you recover, and you get a good punt return yardage. I mean, Worthy had a punt return to their 20-yard line, right? Yep. If those three things happen in the same game, you win like 97% of the time at like any level of football. And my, I guess this is probably my biggest takeaway from the game. I hate getting into the should have won or should not have won because I think we talked about this before where it's like, oh, we, we should have won the game if my shortstop didn't make three errors. Well, yeah, maybe your shortstop's not that good. He's part of the team, and he made three errors. That's why you lost. This was a game where it's just like, I don't understand how we lost the game. And going back to the Iowa State game, it's almost like watching the end of it, how did we win the game? Yeah. So maybe those two even out? I don't know. I mean, we're still sitting there with three losses, eight and four still on the table. We talked about eight and four. You got to lose four, all that good stuff. But that's a game like you go on the road to Stillwater, a place that has been a pain in the ass to play at for Texas for a long time. I hate to say it, but you should have won the game. Yeah. Yo, here's the thing that's frustrating for me because I saw a lot of things that people complained about about the defense that I have no problem with. Um, there was a sideline throw that Spencer Sanders made on Ryan Watts. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. And it, it was literally perfect coverage. It was a perfect throw. There's no defense for it. And you just shrug and line up again. Uh, there were people, you know, like if I never go to game threads, but I clicked into the game thread around that time when people are like, oh, oh, Watts, come on, pay attention. And I'm like, dude, come on. Bless, bless you for that. We, we put in Michael Taff. We had to, right? Yeah, Anthony. everybody everybody was hurt. Like, I mean, you know, change. So yeah. I'm not going to say a word about playing Taff and how well he played. I mean, he's young and he's an experienced, blah, blah, blah. He did his best. Uh, I've got some problems, Randy, with some situational things that we're doing on defense. And I, and I, I pointed it out in my post game. And I want to go over it with you because I want you to be my sanity check if maybe I'm being too hard. But if you'll remember their first touchdown, they, first of all, got down inside the 10 on two back-to-back offsides penalties from Texas defenders uh, jumping on a hard count. My, but, my, note, my notes going into that were we cannot get out of our own way because if we get a stop there, the game's over. I, I agree. And so we're now, they're now, in a weird way, you know, there's the, there's the, famous, um, there's the famous note from the, Commander, I forgot his name, but there was a guy who was the commander of the paratroopers on D-Day, not long after D-Day, when they get surrounded near Bastogne. And they said, you know, sir, we're completely cut off. We're surrounded. And uh, he says, great. There, there's nowhere for the Germans to run away. Uh, you know, that's how I actually felt when it's first, when, when they're on our eight-yard line, because Oklahoma State doesn't have a good conventional running game. They can't throw it in easily unless you kind of mess something up because you just have a constricted field. We've got this massive advantage of defensive linemen over their offensive line, which was not good. But our defensive line was on the sideline. They were on the sideline. So at that time, and I text this to a buddy of mine, I see our personnel and it's Vernon Broughton, who's our worst run defender. 
Good uh, pass rusher. Bad bad decision on run defense. Yep. Richardson, who is playing edge for Ovia Gofu, he's been practicing there for a couple of weeks. He's a third string inside linebacker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, actually had a couple of good pass rushes later in that game. <laughs> but, I say like play, played better at edge. Yep. You're he's right. He's 230 pounds and he doesn't know how to play the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, those are your two of your four down linemen. And then we played a base defense inside the 10. We're, we're literally in, in like our equivalent of two safeties deep. Now they're not deep because you're, ne- you're near the end zone. Obviously they're a little further up. No, we, a, we, were, we were in the defense. We run at the 40 going in. We were running a defense that we'd run at the 50 yard line. Yep. And this wasn't now I'm going to give a caveat. Cause I know people are going to be like, well, you know, it's tempo. You can't no, no, no. If they had hit a 60 yard pass and that was the group in and they ran up to the ball and snapped it. I'm not saying a word because that's football. Tough luck. We had two consecutive penalties. You can substitute during those dead balls and get in your preferred goal line. We rolled with those guys. Oklahoma State hands the ball off. And by the way, the way we aligned, we have a bubble directly over the center to both to the, to the shoulders of both guards. Okay. It's, it's like, I don't want to get into all this because it's like football 101. It's a big no-no. You don't do that. For, for anybody on. that's for anybody that's old school, we're playing a split six, an old yes. school split six defense. But our linebackers weren't in the A gaps. Correct. So exactly. we had a split six. We had a split six going on with nobody in the A gaps. So Oklahoma State. Like, hey, just run it. Let's go. So Oklahoma State hands off the ball. They get four yards. And part partly because Richardson doesn't see the hole he's supposed to run through, which he would have strolled into the end zone. He goes down. Gundy sees our alignment and our personnel. Then he goes, hurry up. He, Cause you could see the Oklahoma state guys going to huddle and then they sprint to the ball. Cause Gundy's doing yeah. Finger in the air, waving, going, get on the ball and get on the ball right there. means run the same play. Same opposite play. direction. Yes, sir. Yep. Absolutely. And he strolls in. Jade Barron is unblocked coming laterally. He's 180 pounds. It's physics. When a guy's running yeah. downhill, he's not going to make a tackle laterally on that guy. Uh, Vernon Broughton gets blocked one-on-one. The entire Texas defensive line gets blocked one-on-one, which allows their blockers to leak out on the linebackers. That can't happen in goal line defense, Randy. It's like, it, that's... Nope. So my fundamental objection is, one, that's bad football schematically. Two, that's bad personnel football. And three, you had the opportunity to substitute, so that didn't happen. And you took a team that cannot run the ball on us conventionally if we're lined up correctly with the right personnel, and we let them run in a touchdown. Just to jump on that, you let them maximize our defense's greatest strength against us because they weren't in the game. Yep. In the situation where they should be in the game. That's it. And, that's, and I mean, bottom line to me, I mean, that's no, no, there's no two bones about it. I mean, you, you, you can argue with scheme, this, that, whatever, but no, you, your best defensive linemen have to be in the game at that situation if you have the opportunity to get them in, which we did. Let me address this because people are saying, well, how's that on PK? He doesn't do the substitutions. That's, that's the position coach. The coordinator of the defense and forgive me if I'm being a little condescending here, but the coordinator of the defense 
coordinates the defense. That's the job title. And so before the game, part of what he does is he says, hey, guys, we're going to make sure it's best on best when they're in these situations. What are those things that are on your ears? The headset? Yeah. Yeah. He had the opportunity to say that. That's exactly right. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'll get in this a little bit now. They're better, 100% better, but we still do some maddening things that just that's, don't make sense. So that's the frustrating thing is I understand yeah, that's, people. That is 100% the frustrating thing. You're right. You see the improvement. Yes. But in big time situations, this is both sides of the ball, by the way. This is yeah. not just a, a, a defense thing. That's what's maddening to me. It's so much frustration because for three series, you see this and you're like, nice. If you get beat, great, you get beat. That's not getting beat. That's just malpractice in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I'll take your opinion on it. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And so I, I want people, I know people like to go macro in these situations, especially and I don't mean this to be offensive, if you don't really see the game. I mean, when Randy and I watch a football game, it's not like a blur of color and we wait for the play-by-play guy to tell us what happened. Like, we can see a lot of what's happening and we can even see as something's developing, oh, that's a touchdown. Or, oh, that's not going to work out well. Or, ooh, we're overmatched. This isn't going to end well. And that's just from watching football. It's just, it's just from watching a lot of football. And maybe I think some people maybe just have the ability to kind of see like past the ball, right? True. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At some point, if you watch enough film, you kind of, you get to the point to where you kind of desensitize yourself of all the, the fancy stuff and you, you see what matters, I guess. Does that make sense? Right. And you're not just following the ball. Right. Yeah. Which, which when I watch it as a fan first watch, I'm right there with everybody else. I'm watching yeah. the ball. I'm like, I get as pissed off as everybody else does. And I got notes to prove it. But so, I guess when, my you, point... when you back it back down, yeah, right. I mean, you, you can, you kind of not as regress back into the, the minutia of, of how things work. So my point is people want to go macro and go, Hey man, look at what the defense gives up in yardage points, average per play. Everything is improved. Tackling is improved. Anthony oh. Cook is a better player. Jaron Thompson's a better player. Keandre Coburn, who was frankly next to useless last year, is a much oh. better player. I mean, boom, boom, boom. Granted, conceded, I've pointed these things out too. That's why I'm frustrated when we make these little mistakes in key critical downs. Because but, we can actually be better. So I think... To, to jump on what Paul's saying right there, and, and he's 100% correct, but it's that's what frustrates you is because everybody has improved. Yeah. I think every level is improved. And I think at the same time, we can also look at it with the aspect of nobody's, no level's perfect with the exception of maybe the interior defensive line. I mean, they're not perfect, don't get me wrong, but that, that, that's, that's a level that, that's playing extremely well, and we're stopping their interior run at the level that we would expect to do it. Is that, I mean, can we agree on that? 100%. Yeah. It's just maddening to see the improvement that we've made 
in the back end. And then two or three plays a game just up in flames. Yeah. And it got worse this week, by the way. Well, injuries probably played in part of it, but it got way worse this week. Like we talked about last week, not having the issues with blown coverages. Not so good this week. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, Deshaun Jameson picked the wrong week. Yeah, it's a bad game. Play his worst football in a long time. And uh, that's when we, when you, when your safeties are down, you really need your corners and your nickel to step up. And you say, all right, fellas, you're going to play inside position and we're playing ball denial. Okay. You got to help out these young safeties. We're going to plant them in the middle of the field and say, react to deep balls. Don't let anyone pass you. And you guys up front have got to pick up the slack. Deshaun was not able to pick up the slack. What was the biggest thing we had trouble doing on offense? Completing outside balls, right? Yep. Over the over the top of people's heads. Yep. I would have liked to have seen us make force the them opposing, make the opposing offense do the same thing that we had trouble doing. It's but crazy. We let, them, we let them throw the easiest passes in the game, which are the end breaking slants and whatnot. Rod Babers, I'm, I'm sure everybody's listened to this. That's listened to us right now, but he kind of beat it. And I beat a dead horse on it, but he's 100% right. I mean, it's just we could not complete the over-the-top throw. Wind, bad throws, bad receiver reaction. I don't care what the reason is. If we can't do it, let's make them try to do it other than the five-yard slant, which is, in my opinion, one of the easiest throws to make in football. Amen. So the other thing I'd, I've, I guess the other thing is I'm not – a like a perfectionist in terms of the defense, meaning there's just times you get beat or they go hurry up in a very smart way and you're not lined up correctly. Like I don't get mad the way other people get mad about that sort of stuff because that's sort of just football. I get mad when you have a very specific critical down known situation where you have a chance to get your best personnel in and so the other example, and that's why I didn't pluck uh, Deshaun Jamison missing two tackles that led to touchdowns. I didn't do that because that's player error. Uh, and when I pulled the Katon Crawford blowing the coverage uh, near the goal line, I didn't say that's on the coaches. I was like, hey, man, Crawford has to know, like, be a football player there. Like, know that you were covering the guy in front of you, um, even if they're running a little crosser. Uh, but... I purposely pulled plays that showed a very specific time when you can get in exactly the personnel you want and run exactly the defense you want. You're not, there's no hand tied behind your back. And so the other one I pulled was the Spencer Sanders scramble on a third mm. and nine fourth mm. quarter. And we're there in our territory around the 40 and they try to set up a screen. It ain't there because we play it well. And we, we have a three-man three, three man rush. We had 13 guys defending the screen and nobody just defending any sale. Well, we had, we had Ovi Agofu <laughs> lined up off the ball as a linebacker, not lined up centered on, on Sanders, yeah. but actually off to the side, uh, almost in the flat. And he was assigned as Sp- Sanders' spy. And he overran but, it bad. Well, he didn't just overrun it, Randy. He can't make that play. 
even if he played it correctly, he cannot tackle Spencer Sanders in the open field. I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I would still at least like to see like him to have seen it in the lane. <laughs> yeah. I would like to have seen him in the lane. And then if he gets beat, then, you know, hey, it's that's my best guy at this point in time. But Allegedly, no, it's not. I don't know. Well, not as I a spy. But you you say, hey, we defended it correctly. If he runs 30 yards past the guy scrambling. All right, time out. You got, you got no chance. You have no chance at that point. We got the right play on, but the player didn't execute is Jimbo Fisher shit. True. I'll give you that. Okay. Let me ask you this, though. Who? Okay, replace Ovi Agofi with anybody on our defense that wasn't already in the game. DeMarvin Overshone. He was in the game. Was not? He was not in the game. Okay. You're, you were correct then. Neither he or that's Thor. his role. That is exactly that is what his he does in his defense. That's the best role for him in our defense. Yes, not in the game. You yes, if that's zero. Correct, hey, number I zero. He was. I thought he was playing the other side of the ball. But if he no. was not in the game, then yes, you were one hundred percent correct. So it's he needs to be there, and that's his role. It's third and nine, fourth quarter. O- OSU's rallying. Right. Mm-hmm. It's thirty-four twenty-seven Texas. This is a critical down. They're not running. Hurry up. We could have gotten subs on the field. I understand we're resting, we're resting both Overshone and Ford. That's the play where you go, Overshone, can you go? Yes, will be the answer. But why at that point in time are we resting him? I mean, look, at some point, you've got to get those guys out. What I'm saying is on I agree. Critical. I agree that you have to. That's not the play to get them out. That's not the play. You get them back in. And, and the other linebacker, by the way, is Diamante Tucker Dorsey. No, I didn't realize that either. Yeah, and that's DTD. Yeah, that's not his strong suit either. Well, uh, what's his strong even. suit? Short yardage run plays. <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully. Emphasis, I don't know. Emphasis, was, emphasis I'm, being on, opti- I'm being an optimist, Paul. Emphasis on short. <laughs> being an optimist. Um, yeah, that's if I, I thought he was on the field. If he wasn't on the field, that's, that's terrible. Well, and, and so the bummer of that play as well is Vernon Broughton is lined up inside the offensive tackle. Yeah. And at the snap of the ball, you don't line up a, a defensive end inside the offensive tackle shoulder for him to take an outside rush. Okay. Broughton starts to go inside and then works across his, the tackle's face, which actually opens this centered running lane for Spencer Sanders. In yeah, unless- fact, the way that defense was set up, Randy, and I still think it would have failed, Broughton's supposed to take the inside slant to where Span- Sanders is setting up. Then that causes Sanders to bounce to where Agofu is standing. Now, I still think he would have put a shake on him and ran right past him, but at least he would have had a shot, as you said. Let's at least see it happen. Yeah, I at least want to see the guy with the opportunity. You're you're 100% correct. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, I mean, maybe he was supposed to loop outside and Agofu was supposed to fill that gap on the inside, but I, uh, I, don't, know. I don't know. No indication but, of that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to – I if our guy is there and he misses the tackle, so be it, right? I mean, hey, we don't have the right personnel, bad play, whatever it is, but – not having anybody there is just a pretty tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Also, when you kind of know the book on Oklahoma State and what Spencer Sanders does, and particular, you know, Spencer Sanders doesn't just take off running on 
second and four, right? He, he's sort of, he's a senior quarterback. He started what, 40 something games now for Oklahoma state. I think it's actually 140 something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he kind of understands the critical downs just the way like yep. a Sam Ellinger understood critical he, downs. He knows, he knows when to take when, off. Yeah. He, he knows when he needs to use his legs. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that was frustrating. Filling gaps is important. If you're trying to fill the gap in your financial life, I got a guy for you. His name's Gabe Winslow. You need to reach out to him. You can reach him, 832-557-1095. Why would you call this gentleman? Who is this man? Well, aside from agreeing a great Longhorn and a great sponsor of this podcast, he's the best damn mortgage guy I know. He's, a, he's phenomenal at what he does. He's a wizard with the numbers. Talking about making the numbers dance, Gabe does that. But also, he has ethics. He's got integrity. And he's interested in getting you the best deal possible. He wants it to be win-win. That's probably why win is in his last name. Win slow or win fast. You're going you're gonna to win when you call Gabe. 832-557-1095. Hey, listen, if you're going to take out a loan and you're calling a bank, like a big bank, Bank of America Chase, et cetera, like... Don't. Like, why Don't. are you calling... The, the guy who works from 10 to four and takes a one and a half hour lunch and doesn't care. He doesn't, he's going to get 30 other calls. You could call Gabe at midnight. He's going to pick up the phone and answer your question. And he's not even going to be upset about it. So anyway, take it from me, take it from Randy, who's done 37 loans with Gabe Winslow. Uh, he's a great guy. He's going to do you right. He's going to shoot you straight. 832-557-1095. And of course, if you're buying a new house, you need a realtor in the Sentex area, what you call Laura Baker. She is an elite realtor with the Andy Allen team from Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Now more than ever, you need to be working with the elite. Buying a house is one of the most significant, if not the most significant financial decision you'll ever make in your life. Get the right mortgage guy, get the right realtor gal, and go kick ass and make sure that you don't have any questions. Am I with the right people? Do I have the right representation? It's an important financial decision. Call Gabe, use Laura. Let's get her done. Yep. Set yourself up for success. That's right. All right. So Randy, you always take copious notes, just like I do. Is there anything more about this game we want to talk about? Or do we want to look forward? I mean, I'm sure I probably got something, but yeah, I think we probably just want to look forward at this point. We struggle with playing the ball in the air on both sides of the ball. You know, I, I do have to say, Randy, <clears throat> I do watch other college football teams, and that is helpful because that is a that is an, a problem that is not specific to the Texas Longhorns. Very common theme. You are yes. correct. You know, actually, I want to bring in uh, your stupid sport, uh, baseball. Golf? Oh, okay. Golf. <laughs> That's uh, I've heard multiple play-by-play guys, a lot of them, of course, former athletes, DBs, receivers, who all say you'll see a guy struggle to play the ball in the air, whether receiver or corner, and they all say, hey, this is where kids need to be multi-sporting because this is what, what you learn in baseball. You learn how to take a line on a ball you learn how to, to adjust to a ball shifting in the wind. You try to you develop a little bit of an eye and some spatial awareness. 
And they, they're like, you know, I've heard Rod Gilmore go on about this a few times. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you think that's true or is that just a, a play-by-play guy filling up or announcer? I mean, a color guy, I should say, filling up some dead air. I think it's a true statement to an extent. I mean, I think certain guys can do it and certain guys can't, uh, much like anything else in sports. Um, if you have a little bit of an ability to do it, then yes, it's coachable and you can improve on it. But I also think there's some some guys that just it's probably not not in the cards. Um, but yeah, I mean, the more you see it and the more you have to deal with it, the better you're going to be at it, right? Um, I don't know if you can go from poor to excellent, but I think you can go from average to really good. I wonder if we should uh, like spring ball. We should be like throwing fly balls, balls at people, throwing hot flip, throwing fly balls at people, <laughs> throwing fly uh, balls yeah. at guys. Get the, jug, get the jugs machine out and let's get some Wilsons <laughs> and uh, we're gonna throw some fly balls at people. Um, I don't. I think it's different with somebody guarding you as well. Yeah, it is. Because um, the, I mean, you would. The crazy thing about it to me, I guess it, it, the the weirdest thing is the seven on seven age now. Like you would think that that would be something that people are excelling at because they do it frequently, right? Like, but our receivers are unbelievable at blocking. They're really <laughs> good at blocking. Yeah. Like they block the shit out of everybody. Like they're unbelievable at blocking, but they don't play the ball in the in the air very well. And same for our corners. Uh, we've defended the wide receiver screen on defense about as good as I've seen a defense play it at Texas. Yeah. I mean, they kill it. Like they fight off blocks. They make the tackle. They're physical, which is not a seven on seven deal on either side of the ball, but that's the two best things that I think we're probably good at on the wide receiver side. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Jude Barron and Ryan Watts are savages. Yeah. They're they're killing people and they come and make the screens, which is not a seven on seven thing. And the same thing on the offensive side, like Jordan Whittington's just crushing people left and right. And Worthy's good at blocking. And I mean, everybody else is good as well. It's like, that's not something y'all should be excelling at based upon your, you know, progression through high school football and and what it is now. But yeah, I don't, I, the 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 playing the ball in the air thing is just it's a weakness. But I agree with you; it's a weakness across the board for everybody. It's just ball ball skills just seem to be lacking in general. Yeah, I. I don't know. If, did you ever watch Darrell Revis in his prime? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember it a whole lot, but yeah. So aside from the fact that he could run backwards or sideways as quickly as he could run forward, he, he had such good balance and such good athleticism that he never took his eyes off the quarterback, even while he's covering the guy. And so he, he didn't need ball skills. Right. He didn't, yeah, I mean, he, he was always looking. He was always looking at it. He was running the route half the time, yep. mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, he at his peak, which I think lasted about three years. I just never have seen a pure cover corner like him, and then he fell off a little bit. But it's interesting. It's it's a, it's such a short window for those guys up up there at that level. You're right, but yeah, you- no, I don't I don't disagree. I mean, he was. 
he was running offensive routes. And a lot of that's probably probably goes into uh, film study too. But yeah, I mean, he, he was so quick and so fast that he did, he didn't really need to worry about what the receiver was doing. He's like, man, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. Like I'm watching the quarterback and he'll tell me what's going to happen. Yeah. Is a uh, Darrell, is Daryl green before your time? I remember him. I just remember him being extremely fast. Um, I think he made a career out of being able to play the short stuff very, very aggressively. And if he got beat, he was going to make it up and he didn't care. Unless yeah. the quarter, unless, so this kind of before the quarterback was like really, really adept at making great deep throws, right? So he was just banking on, hey, they're going to be three yards short on this throw or they're going to overthrow it. And if it's short, I'm going to make up the time. And if it's overthrown, then I don't have to worry about it. But I'm going to defend all this stuff within 10 yards. Yeah, he was a, an example. You were talking about the short window, which is true for those guys. He was a, 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 a all-pro co- corner for about 12 years and then an effective yeah. corner for like another three, which is unheard of. Interestingly, styles make fights. Uh, he was a dominant corner against a lot of receivers. Michael Irvin used to always hand him his shit. Uh, just he would just basically post him up, took advantage mm-hmm. of the size disparity. Yeah, you. And that kind of gets into what what we're talking about with our guys, right? It's like, what do you do well? Let's simplify this. Let's not get into the the world of blown coverages. Let's just, hey, can you count from the outside in? Okay, he's got number one. You got number two. <laughs> yeah. We're going to bet that our six guys can get to the quarterback before you have to cover anything more than 15 yards down the field. Or we're going to rush three and drop eight. Which, that's kind of where I'm at now. I, I think on defense, I think we've established where we are with personnel. With what we have, I think we got what we got, right? Yep. I think that's our two options. We're going to man everybody up, play a safety over the top, simplify the rules, bet we can get to the quarterback before they can throw it down the field, or everybody drops five to 25 yards, we rush three, and we go. And Agofu spies the quarterback? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, man. I yeah. I just. I think he's athletic enough to do it. He just doesn't do it well. I think he might be alligator speed. I don't think he moves laterally. And yeah, and that was also so, that's that's not his so position, saw, right? It's not what he. Hundred percent correct. Hundred percent correct on that. So I saw a thing. Uh, there was an article uh, that was talking about uh, NFL football. If the if the hash marks are condensed, like your inside guys are charged with less, your outside guys are charged with more, right? Yep. Um, I think that would be something beneficial to him if you could maybe only play him to the boundary, which I know is kind of a weird deal, but I don't know if it does or doesn't, but it's better than him being on the field side and spying with 40 yards of field to cover. Yeah. Do you have any feelings about uh, the games this weekend? Other big 12 opponents? 
I'm kind of I'm kind of anxious to see it because it's it's a weekend where we don't really have a whole lot going on. So I'm going to try to be parked in front of the TV as much as I can uh, without getting yelled at. But um, the game at West Virginia. So I made the comment earlier, which makes me look stupid at this point in time, that I think West Virginia is better than Tech. I'm very interested to see how the game at West Virginia turns out. TCU. Yes, very much so. Because TCU hasn't exactly been just dominating in their wins, and they've fallen behind. And I, if that happens over there, I'd be interested to see how that turns out. Uh, the Okie State game is very interesting to me. Um, I don't really have any thoughts. I think I will know a lot more or I think we will know a lot more coming out of this weekend than we did going into it, if that makes sense. There's no question. Uh, Okie State, Kansas State, I need to see an injury report before I make my prediction. 100%, 100% correct on that. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. I'll get your take on this. Which Kansas State quarterback is a better match to beat them? Exactly. Man. <laughs> exactly. It's honestly, it's whoever can throw a little better. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it's one of those games where your quarterback needs to carry it 20 times mm-hmm. on, on quarterback draws, on quarterback lead, on goal line. I think either quarterback can do that. Yeah. But you need one to complete like 10 passes. Will Howard's a big, strong dude. Hmm? Uh, Martinez is not exactly small. I, I guess the healthier guy, I mean, is the answer, obviously. But I don't disagree. I just, I just, it's just an interesting question to me. I, I think it's a massive quarterback load, get on my back kind of game because, as we saw against Oklahoma State, they like to bring their inside backers. We punish that with a little counter play. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a little there's a little twist off that counter play. Between that and Deuce Vaughn and, and then having your quarterback keep it around the edge, or he follows behind the running back, right? So you get an extra blocker running the same concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, they can gash you, and then you get a little quick release from your tight end or a receiver, and you know, you've know you got a lot of green space, depending on how Oklahoma, State, Oklahoma State's secondary plays out. And Oklahoma State's safeties were not impressive other than you know Jason Taylor, and then he might – is he gone for the season now? Was he impressive though? I mean, he's played well all year. He 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 fell on the ground. Bijan Bijan juked him out of his jock, but he had two picks and like nine tackles. So he blew, he blew like nine coverages and we missed the passes too. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, or I, I say missed the passes. We we missed the connection, whether it was Quinn or it was the receiver. But anyway, my point is Oklahoma State's vulnerable. Yes, and, agreed. And, agreed. Kansas State, interestingly, is very good on the edges, both cornerbacks and their edges. This is another team we'd like to do trades with. Uh, they're a funnel to the middle team. And their, their middle isn't good. Their, nope. their safeties are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, their interior defensive line are just sort of guys. Like, they're fine. They're, they're okay. Uh, it's a very interesting matchup for Oklahoma State because 
if they can really press those receivers outside and then get some edge pressure on Sanders, that's a very interesting winning formula since Oklahoma State can't really run the ball conventionally. It's, it's just such a fascinating game to me because it, it, it honestly, to me, turns into Gundy versus um, what kind of this guy's name? Climate. There you go. It turns into those two, and they're both – I mean, you got 17-year track record versus not, but he's very well-respected. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fascinating game to me, honestly. Like, it's probably the one that I'm most interested in watching this weekend, really. I, I have a hater interest in Iowa State, Oklahoma. I'm going to be a massive Cyclone fan. It's in Ames. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a given, right? Well, I here's mean, the deal. Hunter Deckers, if, if you allow him his first read, as we learned, he is capable of quarterbacking. At the same time, we know Iowa State's defense, they'll make mistakes, but they don't make the same mistake twice. Um, Dylan Gabriel, look, when he's back, the OU offense is good. That's a super interesting matchup uh, on both sides of the ball. And I got to think this could be the moment of like Hunter Deckers being the dude and, and not choking, you know, in the red zone. So so you basically have John Heacock versus the Dylan Gabriel led Levy offense, which yeah. I'm I'm taking Heacock yeah. on that one. And then yeah, I agree with you. I mean if Decker if Deckers can play average to above average, which that defense has shown he may play well above average. It, here's he can gonna, make the plays, right? He can make the plays. Here's what's gonna infuriate me. OU comes out and Xavier Hutchinson is bracketed on every play. And Deckers <laughs> goes 17 of 38 for 174 yards and three interceptions. And OU wins by, you know, 15 on the road. And I'm just going to be sitting there like blood's going to be trickling out of my lip as I bite it. I don't see it. I don't see that. I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope it doesn't happen. I want OU to go down. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Matt Campbell pull that one out. And then A&M Ole Miss. There's real implosion potential here. Ah, you're going to make me get into this one, huh? Hey, how many times did you smoke dope in the locker room before or after a game? <laughs> What's well, baseball? Obviously, smoking dope is probably an advantage, right? It would be, honestly. Would be. If you can just, like, calm down, just chill a little bit, relax. Um Ah, man, that game's got disaster written all over it. But I don't think Ole Miss is as good as everybody thinks they are either. No, but they can run the ball. I I just, I mean, if they, can they score 30? Sure. They win. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's that's what the, the season tells you, right? I mean. Are, are they going to start Connor Wegman? I'll tell you what, I, it, my so all my co- I think we talked about this already. All my coworkers are Aggies. My boss, well, one of my bosses is an Aggie. <laughs> so Wegman comes to the line of scrimmage in the first first play. Everybody like the whole thing's like Jimbo's offense is too complicated. Nobody can run it. Blah 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 blah. Wegman comes in on second and nine, whatever it is. He immediately goes and sets the protection and calls an audible, and you're like. 
what are you doing? <laughs> like, how about we run a draw? Or hey, you're gonna throw a go route to Evan Stewart. Yes. I don't give a shit what play we called. We're just gonna do this. <laughs> but no, he he sets protection, calls an audible, and I think I think they threw like a I don't know whatever a nine yard in route. It's like. Oh my goodness! So, like Randy, talk about, easy, talk about easing the guy into the game, right? Like, let's ease the guy into the game. His release is so much better than than uh, than Haynes King, by the way. Yeah, yeah, so he's a more better. natural thrower. So much better. So yeah. here's the crazy thing: after that first drive, coming off the field, this is a true freshman just got oh, thrown into the game. Yeah, Jimbo's yelling at him, and Adazio's like. Tapping him on the head, like, hey man, it's okay. It's okay. Jimbo's lighting him up, like you've ruined yeah. my beautiful orchestra <laughs> of an offense. Yeah. And then yeah. the other Aggie coaches are trying to be like, hey, clap, clap. You got Dazio's it. Buddy. Like tapping him on the head. Yeah. No, you're right. And Jimbo's you're right. like, you piece of shit. My offense is perfect. Yet another yeah. guy has ruined it. <laughs> How dare you didn't hit the ninth read on that out route? Oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was crazy. Like I just, like literally, we we're talking about it working. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell was the first play?" It's like it was second at nine. I think they're only down by like three or seven at that time. I can't remember. But yeah, the first thing he does is he has to come set protection at the line of scrimmage. And I'm just like, "Dude, this is this first dude snap in a meaningful <laughs> game. Like, can we just line up and hand the ball off or throw Wait, just a freaking go route?" <laughs> so good. It's so yeah. good. Um, part of Augie's famous rant, by the way, if he gives you a sign, you don't shake off the sign. Don't shake it off. Don't right. pretend you didn't see it. See if it. I tell you to, if I tell you to take, you take. Yeah, no, that's that's a rough, rough draw there. But you gotta yeah, say, no, that, that I don't crazy. think I don't think Augie ever lit up a true freshman thrust into an incredibly difficult situation. You know, coming off the mound, and you know. Maybe he did. Uh, maybe Randy Boone got got that a couple of times. Yeah, maybe maybe late, later in the later in the year, not early. My, my point but is, it wasn't it wasn't my first appearance. Let's put all right. That way. Well, my point is this: this podcast is is called "Everyone Gets a Trophy," ironically, right? But there is something to be said for, hey, true freshman. All right, good job, buddy. All right, here's what we're gonna. That was a good first series. Let's let's yeah. work. We're gonna build on this. All right, here's yeah. what we're gonna do. Yeah, hey, you didn't. <laughs> hey, you didn't Jimbo's throw it just, to the. You didn't throw it to the other team. Good job. Yeah, I mean, Jimbo's <laughs> just mfing him as he's coming off the field. <laughs> so yeah. great. No, yeah, no. If, if anybody has a chance to watch that, it's pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. It's, you know, that and then Adazio or whatever his name is is like tapping him on the head, like, hey, hey, it's okay, man. It's okay. Yeah, buddy. It's like, like yeah the dude the dude hadn't played in a meaningful snap all year and it was like second and seven and you're down I, I, anyway i don't know it was crazy it's good stuff man i don't know that's a, that's a weird that's a bad i don't know bad deal over there at least they don't have a monkey to throw in the <laughs> equation right a monkey biting a Halloween maybe i don't know here. we'll see maybe that maybe there is a monkey in the equation over there Who knows? there's a there's a monkey he's wearing a headset and he's making 90 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> for a decade Oh man! Holy cow! The funniest well, thing is, you gotta love college football, right? Well, it's great. And, and Texas and Texas A&M fans have been wrapped up in this "your program sorrier and more disappointing than ours" competition. And wouldn't it just be great to kind of ignore the Aggies and and go nine and three? It'd be nice. But I'm gonna do if some we, hate if, watching. If we if we could do it, it'd be if we nice. could if we could do it. 
All right, what's what's our season record going to be? Man, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with eight and four. All right, stick with eight and four. We I just, think we beat. I think we beat K State there. Okay. Um, I think we, the TST, TCU game is winnable, but I'm not going to go that far yet. You're going to have us lose to Kansas, aren't you? No. Okay. We beat Kansas. All right. No, we beat Kansas. Uh, the TCU game is the the loss that I have. What about Baylor? No. They uh, honestly they don't. <laughs> God, I'm gonna famous last word. I'm gonna say this out loud, and people are gonna crush me. Uh, they don't scare me. Yeah. Any team that has a coach and can keep it close in the fourth quarter, I'm concerned. Don't disagree with you. I think yeah. we can also. I think we could also lose off all of the games. Yeah, um, and and you know, gonna, if you're gonna get me to predict it, that's my that's my prediction. We're in the zone of uh, our floor is very low and our ceiling is very high. I wouldn't be shocked one bit to see Texas light up like a TCU yeah. or hmm. or I don't know about Kansas State. I don't I don't think Kansas no, I think, State. Can, I think that's no. I think that's going to be a tough tight game regardless. I don't think really anyone can light up Kansas State sort of their play hmm. style. But I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. A bit. TCU could go that way. Baylor yeah. could go that way. Yeah. Um, Kansas. I just the people. The people win. that can't. The people that cannot match up with you athletically. I think could go that way. Uh, yeah. The K State game. I think is going to be tight. Uh, regardless. But um, I mean, yeah. Nine, I mean, nine and three is not off the table. But I'm I'm going to stick with eight and four. Um, My. So let, uh, me, let me let me ask you this. Yeah. Bring it. Your your statement last week which in my opinion um flipped pretty hard iowa state you said sark resisted the temptation oh i i thought you were going to bring up that i thought john fetterman was going to dominate the debate my prediction <laughs> that i made to you offline <laughs> you we can get into that later because we've had oh, i was worried you're going to throw that back in my face i had many discussions about that over the last couple of days uh, yeah, we we can we can circle back on that one. Um, yeah, hey, hey, Paul, what do you think about fracking? Paul, just be quiet for five seconds, and I'm gonna take the question. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh man, that was terrible. I felt bad for that guy. I felt bad for that guy, and I felt mad that anybody let him go on stage. But anyway, um, I felt bad for myself watching it. Well, I quit pretty pretty early. But anyway, um. Yeah, what do you think about that? I will say you said you think Sark resisted the temptation, right? So to go deep. Yes. And I thought we ran the ball and that's how we won the game, right? Correct. Yep, that's what you said. All right. So we have talked before on this podcast about running efficiency. Yep. We've talked about how two big runs can skew an otherwise ineffective running game. Well, you remove a 52-yard touchdown run, a 42-yard touchdown run, both on the same play, the little counter, which was really good for us. It was a great install exploiting Oklahoma State's inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have that same success, obviously. The other 28 carries that they had 
went for 118 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. Now, the running game, particularly our running game, because you're combining very talented runners with an offensive line that could be uneven, right? Oklahoma State also was loading the box a little bit at times. It's going to be a little sporadic and uneven. And the key to being stubborn running the ball is you have to have just enough of a conversion passing game, literally a six to eight yard passing game, that you can keep the chains moving because even when you're running the ball well, it's going to be third and four sometimes. It's going to be second and nine sometimes. Hell, it's going to be second and two, and they put nine in the box, and you want to throw a little pop pass to Jatavian for 11 yards. Yep. We didn't, we didn't do that, and we chose to throw it to Worthy down the field. Sometimes he was open. Sometimes he was bracketed, but we weren't hitting them. Yep. So could we have scaled back the offense to try to possess the ball and run the ball and have chain moving passes? Yes, is the answer. All that said, yours was missing some of the chain moving passes too. Maybe that's why you put in card. Mm-hmm. No, there, there were people open. Yep. We were missing them. There were people not open that we were throwing the ball to <laughs> and yes. not hitting. Yes. That that is my that would be my take on it as well. I think I think you nailed it. It's for the crowd out there. It's like, oh, you got to run the ball. Well, it wasn't really going that well, except for a couple plays. Like, oh, the counter was working, and I think people on inside Texas have hit on it. Like, they they made pretty good adjustments on the counter in the second half. Like, now could you have went to other plays that seemed to be having a little bit more success in the second half? Mm, probably so. But in my, in my opinion, the move is bubble screens, glance routes, five-yard outs, which, I mean, we tried to run a 10-yard out to Worthy, and, and it was poorly executed. I don't know what – I mean, I, I don't know what the route is. I don't know if he's supposed to run a 15-yard out or a 10-yard out, but it was thrown for a 15-yard out. Um, and, yeah, the wind, the wind deal – It's a thing, don't get me wrong, like it affects throws. But Quinn makes a lot of throws with with poor footwork, which you can get away with if you're not in wind. There's a couple balls that he needed to drive that he didn't drive with with good footwork. Um, But yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, that's just kind of a question on my end, what what your thoughts were, because you're more in tune on that than I am. But yeah, I, I don't think the answer was just to run the clock out. I think it was to adjust the passing game. Well, and, and so the thing about the running game is if we had been able to stick with it, it would have clicked again. Yes. We, we would have worn them down, and Bijan and Roshan are too good not to create a run. I mean, in fact, Bijan in the second half had a 10-yard run on that little inside counter where he was – stopped at the line of scrimmage and then broke three tackles and got 11 yards, right? That's a sign of a defense that's getting tired, not just Bijan being awesome, which he, which he is. Uh, but you can't be stubborn with the running game unless you can move the chains a little bit with the passing game to give it the opportunity to run the ball more. Yep. And, and here's the other thing. People talk about complimentary football all the time, and I know it's become a catchphrase, 
people now misuse it all the time. But a great example of where you could have had complimentary football is this. Texas's defense pretty much got its ass handed to it in the first half, okay? In the second half, they run single-man safety, and they're bringing a dude off the edge on every play. Corner, a safety, a linebacker. And they're, they're freeing up some matchups inside. And they get basically four three-and-outs from Oklahoma State in the third quarter. In, in, you know, in succession. That's the time period where the offense goes completely dormant. So imagine this scenario, speaking of complimentary football. If the offense had not been going three and out on every one of those possessions, getting it back, if they actually have some little drives and they go, they possess the ball for four and a half minutes and they kick a field goal, right? Nine plays, 52 yards, field goal, whatever. And they just keep possessing the ball. Oklahoma State's offense, the adjustments that they made then to exploit what we were doing, they would have happened. The fourth quarter. They would have happened in the middle of the fourth quarter when the game's already out of hand. And might they have uh, gotten a backdoor cover with 58 seconds left in the game? Who cares? Yep. That's complimentary football. So, like, literally, the one time our defense came out and and played their like beat Oklahoma State's ass four consecutive possessions. Our offense, Quinn Ewers goes two out of 10 for 27 yards, yeah. mishandles a, a handoff for a seven yard loss and takes a sack, which was a cup, which was like a quarterback spaz sack. That's yeah. tough, man. That's real tough. So we had, we had a chance to win the game on offense with our second to last possession yeah. in the first half. Yeah. Don't score. Defense could have gotten a stop, in my opinion, would have also ended the game. They score. We have the opportunity to score again. Don't. Come at a halftime. Same story. Yeah. It just, just we could not get out of our own way for the money, the money eight minutes there, four minutes on either side of the half. Just couldn't do it. And you're Oklahoma exactly, State. You're exactly right. And they they play man. They, it's not a bad football team we were playing. Don't get me wrong. It's not like no. we're playing. We're not playing the sister of the poor. And Mike Gundy knows how to win football games. And I think that's kind of the that's the kind of the silver lining in the whole thing. It's you watch the team that figures out a way to win. Figure out a way to win. And we did. We didn't do anything to to challenge it. I guess. And. They played pristine, spotless football. Well, yeah, they didn't commit any penalties. Not a single penalty on that, that field. I mean, you, you didn't see that. They didn't do anything there. But you got to know that shit's coming, though. Like it, it, it's getting tiresome. I, oh, it's it's been tiresome for the last five years. It's it's been coming since Charlie was a coach there. It's been the same shit. Like it just, but it's coming. Like you got to know it. I mean, I had, I had a high school coach in, in baseball. I was like, "Hey, the umpire's going to take a good umpire's going to take a thirty or a bad away. A bad one's going to take two thirds away. You better be ready." Hmm. He, Texas had opportunities to take the refereeing out of the game, and they didn't. Yeah, that's a thing about officiating. Is more often than not, there is a front running aspect to it. 
100%. Which is if you're sort of playing your ass off, the game just kind of goes. Go back and look at that Oklahoma game, right? Uh, we had what? We had two penalties or something for 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everything's clicking, it's clicking. Now, that's a little bit of a, like a teleological explanation of, well, why did the offense click? Well, we didn't have any penalties. Why didn't you have any penalties? Because the offense clicked. But there is some truth to it. There's a front running there's a front running aspect to officials, and you can kind of take them out of the game. I think you're right. I mean, if look, if you pitch undeniably, there's only so many corner fastballs they can take away from you, right? So I don't know if I told the story. So two things. One, the most frustrating thing to me in the whole game was that we played so well at points. And then the the biggest breakdowns we have on defense is a missed tackle with three people standing around watching the missed tackle. So, and then, yeah. Now, granted, we're tired because we played 100 snaps. That's it. I, I think that was a. I think that was an exhaustion thing. But uh, you're you're just as tired standing three feet away from that guy as you are if you're just going to jump on it. Yeah. Which, granted, I look. I've played plenty of football games in my life not at that level i get it dude that guy's got him wrapped up i've played 80 snaps like he's got him don't get me wrong but it's it's just frustrating to watch on tv because you just see it like that's how you see it and the second thing is on the referee thing so later in my career i was introduced to a guy named sal fasano um he's a catcher in the big leagues for a long time um pitching coach been a catching coach been on staffs and whatnot so he he had a moving plate theory basically where the last like 10 years of his big league career which i correct me if i'm wrong how long he played but it was substantial amount of time hold on i just googled this guy amazing great Fu manchu by the way terrific mustache yes unbelievable great great guy super super knowledgeable like knew the game inside and out typical catcher right like your field general guy but he would call games on a moving plate to where if you throw a fastball inside the umpire and the hitter's mind just moved two inches inside regardless of where the actual home plate is you've just adjusted their eyesight so if you go in again you move it away so if you throw the fastball that used to be on the black that's like on the outer three quarters of the plate the hitter thinks it's away. It's the catcher's job to convince the umpire that it's on the plate. But anyway, it you can manipulate. I guess where I'm going with this is you can manipulate what you see as a referee or an umpire. And like you said, constant effort, winning more than not, affects that guy's ability to be able to pull that flag. Yeah. How many times have you seen an official sit on a flag with Alabama playing? Mm-hmm. I mean, you believe what you see, right? Yeah. What, what do you see? You have to convince him that he doesn't see what he sees. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, I don't see how the catcher is moving the plate with the umpire standing right there. You have to work at a certain speed. It's your eyes. Hmm. You you can't be the guy that walks around the back of home plate or the back of the pitcher's mound 
for 20 seconds in between pitches. It has to be a repetitive thing, but it, it's, it's more so the hitter than the umpire. Um, if you continually bombard him with in, in and open up a way, I don't know. It worked. I'll tell you that with, with less stuff than I had earlier in my career. And he was catching guys in the big leagues that had a lot better shit than I did. I would probably cover one of my eyes and then swing one handed. It's worth a shot, right? Yeah. That's why guys in the big leagues that are so good at sticking to their approach are so consistent. Like they just refuse to be altered by you trying to manipulate them. Like Altuve is going to swing at the first pitch, no matter what you do. You got to respect that. And if it, and if it's if it's in his if it's in his swing radius, he's probably going to hit it. Now, That's whether true. or not he whether or not he hits it hard or hits it well or it's a homer or whatever, but yeah, if it's in his swing radius, he's going to make contact. I just like at this point, you could throw a ball that goes over the catcher's head on the first pitch, and Altuve is going to take a good hack at it. Might. Good chance. <laughs> Never know. All right. We're going to end on Major League Baseball. I have both a mild fan and also a significant financial interest in the success <laughs> of the Houston Astros. Uh, they utterly dominated the Yankees, which was completely unsurprising to any Astros fan. That's oh, so awesome. It's- so Always awesome. surprising to Yankees fans, which is amusing. Uh, and Aaron Boone pulled out every excuse out of his ass that I've ever heard. Uh, Paul, how how dare we open the roof and let that wind blow in? Paul? That's right. Nothing. How dare nothing, we? nothing how destroys dare we? the Yankees like wind. Um, <laughs> playing the Phillies. Look, the Astros are the better team. I know you're going to do the it's baseball bullshit, uh, but how many how many games are the Astros going to win this in? Five. Five? It's actually in my best financial interest for it to go to six or seven. Is that possible in no, any I'm, way? I'm, no, I, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> because here's the deal. Phillies, no, I know. You want to get it back to Houston. Yes. <laughs> Phillies' two starters are good. After that, they're kind of trash, right? So there's a good chance. Hear me out as a baseball neophyte, and then you correct me, okay? If the Astros win both of their games in Houston, there's a decent chance they go to Philly and win two out of three just because the pitching ain't great that Philly's going to be putting up in those games. Is that fair? I, I just said they're going to win in five. All right, yeah. so I need the Astros to lose a home <laughs> game in the first two games. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right. It, it, the, the best matchup the Phillies have is in games one and two from a starting standpoint. Their bullpen is not as good as the Astros. If you can get into the middle, their back end's pretty good. It's not as deep as the Astros. Um, their lineup is not as deep as the Astros. I mean, they just obliterated the Yankees without Altuve or Alvarez doing hardly anything, right? Yeah. Um, you want me to go ahead and say it just to make you feel better? <sighs> okay, it's baseball, so anything can happen. There you just go. Just stupid. You ready? There you go. Okay. Hey, Alabama's also playing. Ha- also happy right now. Alabama's playing Fordham in football. Well, it's football. Anything could happen. No. No one says not, that. That's not true, and that's for. 
Hey, um, but no, it, it, their their best chances is, is literally at home, three, four, five. But their three, four, five don't match up very well with the Astros three, four, five in start yeah. pitching standpoint. So, could you have reduced your whip by about thirty percent if you'd worn a fat gold chain with a big Jesus piece cross on it, like the Dominicans? I don't know. I never tried, but I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, I'm going to say yes, right? Yeah. It would have added. What are you going to How are you going to prove me wrong? <laughs> I mean, it would have added. I'd have, speed. Put it, I'd have put it on my forehead like Ash Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> it would have added speed and movement to a lot of your yeah, pitches. Now, maybe the weight of that swing yeah. is like part keep of you, how they throw you, so hard. I don't keep know. You, keep you centered. Yeah. There you go. That's why they do but, it. But um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're usually pretty blinged out. But, uh, Man, those guys are so fun. I love playing over there. When, uh, when we go I was thinking of Kenny Powers quote coming on. Ah, I got plenty of them, but not maybe different hey, time. Do you feel it was disrespectful when you used to ride a burrow out to the mound in Venezuela when you were called out from the the bullpen? No, not at all. I, it okay. was definitely definitely part of the game. Okay. Yeah, because I, mean, I think you, some you had, of the Venezuela. I mean, you I basically think- had you basically had riot gear police on the field. So I mean. A borough just sort of kind of lessened the tension, I feel like. I, th- I think that might have contributed to the government getting overthrown. I think the government was already overthrown. <laughs> I think that was already gone. I'm still in awe that you got like the one remaining idyllic, beautiful spot that like is, is internationally famous, Margarita Island. You were living yeah, on no, Margarita was, Island? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was awesome. Like, when so, I went down, you know, and I got, so I had to fly. Had to if fly if listeners aren't familiar, will you tell them like what Margarita Island is, is comparable to? It's like, it's like, it's like an I mean, it's amazing, like it's like Hawaii. Yeah, it's like going to the Bahamas. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's like right by Trinidad and Tobago and yeah like St. Martin and all those places. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, but the problem is to get there, you got to fly through Caracas. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure there's another way to get there, but that's how they flew me down there. And I mean, the, the first time I went down there, the years I was down there, I, I flew into Aruba and missed my flight and thought I was going to be stuck in Aruba. It was right when the, those two people just disappeared. I was like, well, this is great. Sayonara, everybody. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I found my way to Maracaibo. Um, not as pleasant of an experience as uh, Margarita Island was, but I mean, I, yeah, Margarita Island was great. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, I can't say, I can't say much more about it. Um, the only drawback is we had road games, so we had to actually fly to the mainland. <laughs> but if we could have played at home the whole time, it would have been fantastic. In retrospect, I'm glad you turned down that contract to uh, pitch and coach in Russia. I don't think they play baseball over there. They do have baseball. No, they don't. Of course they do. In Russia? Yeah. Like just north of Japan in Russia? (laughs) I think you're making up shit now. Just north of Japan. Are you you referencing the Russo-Japanese War of 1904 on this podcast, Randy? Yeah, over there. Uh, No, you know what? I know they have football. And obviously they have basketball. You can make decent money there playing pro basketball. Don't uh, smuggle drugs to I'm an airport, though. Say, just about to say. <laughs> Generally speaking, I don't know if that's off limits or not. But well, yeah, don't, if don't you've ever seen that. the movie Midnight Express, uh, smuggling <laughs> drugs through any foreign airport is not a good probably idea. Not, probably not a good idea. Yeah. Not a great idea. Don't, don't do that in Singapore either. That's not going to. And 
Hey, there's some really good stories about people getting cash back from uh, from overseas baseball that I'll have to tell you one of these days. I, I've heard a couple of stories from TJ Ford about uh, Croatian pro contracts. Yeah, no, we had, we got paid in cash um, a couple of different places that I played overseas, and obviously that's a interesting experience getting that back. So there's some so uh, a guy I boxed ones. a guy I boxed with uh, a boxing gym. He uh, he took an MMA fight. Later, he got interested in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he did that, and he had a boxing background. So he was a good fighter, and he fought in um, he fought in like a Pride undercard. I don't know. Do you remember Pride? I remember. I'm not a big big boxing guy, but uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of so, it. Yeah. So Pride was like the UFC of Japan. Right, but was, yeah. But it was owned by the Yakuza, like straight up. And you were paid in cash, and you were paid – the night of the fight with a briefcase full of cash. Mm-hmm. And this did not go on your W-2 or your 1099 oh, no. form. Oh, no. But you are not allowed legally to transport more than $10,000 of cash. $9,999. There, someone knows. Someone knows the rule <laughs> for some reason. I wonder why. So this guy uh, meets some girls after he wins his fight and has a little party. And then when they're all flying out, he gets all of them to put $9,999 stashed throughout their body, their panties, their bras, while he has it. And then they regroup. And uh, one of them tried to go astray when they landed in the uh, airport at the end. And he had to go in the women's bathroom and pull her out and get his money. So yeah, I, I, would, I would never do such a thing. And yeah. none of my teammates would ever do that. But you but knew that number very specific. I've, I've, I've heard stories that uh, that people have tried that before. So is it true that they actually can detect uh, if you're carrying a certain amount of cash on your body and you through airport detectors? Are they able to detect like an excess amount of cash? They might be able to detect it, but they're not very good at it from my experiences. Yeah. And my buddy's experiences. Have you Excuse ever- me, my, my buddy's experiences only. I've never done it. No, no, I you wouldn't, I you wouldn't do that. that. We had one guy, we had one guy, we came back for Christmas break one time and he got detained. Um, and he was a big name guy. Um, he it was actually a guy that was a closer in the big leagues for like the end of the year. And he was getting paid very, very handsomely down there and everything down there is performance based. Right. So, you know, a couple strikeouts, you get a couple hundred bucks, you get a save, you get this, blah, blah, blah. blah. So we're we're coming through the airport in Miami, and uh, he gets detained, and we're like, "Oh shit, he's yeah, that's not good for him, man." So we all waited, like good, you know. We weren't. I don't. I think only like two or three of us were on the same team of his. Um, the other eight or so are just like, "Hey, we're just trying to go home for Christmas and get back in like two or three days." And uh, he he comes up like twenty minutes later, just smiling, like, "Hey guys." Where's the cab? Like, wow. And that's when I lost all faith in the U.S. Customs Department because <laughs> I knew how much he had on him. <laughs> so I had a buddy. I was not there. I have people swear this happened. Maybe it's an apocryphal story. I don't know, but people swear up and down this occurred. They fly to Jamaica and they indulge while they're in Jamaica for spring break and they're flying home. And one of the idiots, because I guess hashish is very cheap there, marijuana, whatever he bought. Uh, he decides he's going to smuggle some home, which is a real bad idea. Yeah, not a good call there. 
So as they're going through the airport, they are stopped waiting to go through the metal detectors and all that you know, bullshit. And there is a beautiful black lab sitting, <laughs> waiting next oh, to a very stern looking Jamaican gentleman. And uh, this guy who has indulged a little bit before he went to the airport goes, a dog. And he walks over to the dog and starts making a big production out of like petting him and, and the guy, well, it turns out this was the best thing he could have done. Yeah. It's, it's better than the alternative, right? Well, the dog starts to indicate on him and getting excited. Right. And like the way they indicate is to sit and like bark, but he's yeah. coming over there acting silly and petting him. And the guy's like, don't pet my dog. Don't touch my dog. And the dog is actually indicating on him, like, this guy reeks of drugs. The cop interprets it as, this is an idiot American bothering me. That's why his dog's doing that. And he says, just go. Just get out of here. And this idiot gets through scot-free through customs. Better be lucky than good, right? I mean, I don't know if this, I can't, I have people that I trust that swear to me this happened. And they. Oh, I believe, I've, I've seen it. I, I've seen the exact same thing play out with probably much smaller um stakes i guess smaller but, stakes than what you're what you're describing there but yeah god no, I've, I've i think god protects harmless idiots yes you're 100 correct i mean because he's actually two buddy, kind two of buddy, a, two buddies that are living proof of that they just walk <laughs> around and like shit just falls from the sky and they're alive. like oh hey i just got let go of my job but i, I got a new one here we go uh, so yeah no yeah so anyway yeah, that same that same dude won a scratch off lottery. Yeah, no, sounds sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. All right. We out of here. Secret to winning after the bye week. Paul Wallington, go. Get uh, number one. Get healthy. Number two, get Mister Ewers to forget what happened and move on. I think he'll forget. And then uh, number three, Kansas State runs the ball real well. And they throw the ball real well if you don't honor your assignments. It's not really a talent thing. It's more, can you honor your assignment? I, I am 100% certain we can stop their regular run game. However you want to interpret that. Uh, whether it's just handing the ball off to Deuce Vaughn or... Even, you know, putting in a little option, quarterback draw, lead, all that stuff. They're, they're staples. I'm concerned about their play action game. If we can play that in a smart way and just win on our assignments, I think this defense can put in an incredible performance that's going to make a lot of people come to me and say, oh, what do you have to say about PK now? Uh, but I will say part of that great performance is we've got to get our best guys on the field in the critical moments. And we've got five of the best 10 players on our defense play two positions against Kansas state. Let's see if we can get three of those guys out on the field at the same time. I'm talking about Murphy, Coburn, sweat, Ajomo, Collins. Let's get three of those five out on the field at all times. 
I, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see us just say, hey, your your receivers aren't that good. We're going to man you up. We're going to play a free safety over the top. Who is our best matchup on defense for Deuce Vaughn if they leak him out of the backfield? Who do you put on him? God. And why is the answer Jade Barron? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I was going to say Jade Barron's our best nickel. I know it's tough to I know it's tough to devote your freaking best corner to the running back. Well, so if if Ryan Watts can't if he's playing play, nickel, if if Watts is back, it makes yeah. that easier. You're if Watts playing. can't play, Jade Barron's paying corner, right? No, we you're right. You're right. Can't mess with mm-hmm. that. So you're the right. answer is Michael Taft. I agree. Yeah, and he's got and he's got to know how to play leverage. Well, and and, and communicate, know where his help is, which has been a little bit of an issue. You know, a lot of bit, a lot of bit of an issue. Is that a word? Dude, I don't know. Kansas State isn't going to win the game throwing it seven times for 130 yards to Deuce Vaughn. Correct. So, yeah, if, if they you make you make whatever. you make either quarterback throw the ball. Yeah, which is probably a crazy idea to everybody's psyche at this point in time <laughs> i know you you make them one-dimensional and you make them throw the ball and if they beat you throwing the ball then good lord boy and the way he's been tackling and his recognition this is a game where i wish anthony cook was well yeah but he's big game well, for jaron thompson he he's one of the guys that i was most frustrated with last week just because the two plays that i remember in my head were the two plays that like it's like, dude, just jump on the pile and and finish it. Yeah. But then I saw that he played 197 snaps. It's like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been in that situation before, and I've seen people in that situation before that are a lot less talented than he is. Um, it's that's not a recipe for success. I don't care. I mean, yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd love to see him just diving all over the place, but that that's a that's just a that's a tough ask for anyone. So weird defense for yours and this offense in that they have very, very poor safeties. Uh, these, all three of them are transfers and they're transfers from like Prairie View A&M type schools. They're not transfers from Michigan and Alabama. Although our, <laughs> some of our big name transfers haven't necessarily worked. Uh, <laughs> not talking about Keelan Robinson folks, but, uh, but they have two good corners, very good corners in fact. And then two good edge players, uh, one of whom is a linebacker that they'll sort of bring in different ways. But then their interior D-line, not great. Safety's not great. So it's it's crazy to say there's going to be some opportunities deep. I hope we hit them. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see us attack the middle. Yeah. With the tight ends and, and whatnot to open it up. Get them, get them in a rhythm. I mean, you got to get them in the rhythm. But it, coming off a of last deal, like you, you got to get him comfortable early because I don't give a shit how good his mental makeup is or how calm he is or whatever. Like he can't forget what just happened. Um, that being said, they'll probably go deep to Worthy on the first play and he'll complete it and everybody will be like, oh, yeah, see, he told you. But that's what I, I mean, that's where I would attack. I'd attack yeah. the middle, get the, get the tight ends involved. Whittington. Use worthy, use worthy as a little bit of a decoy. I like to see, man, I like love to see Whittington get like eight catches. Yeah, this week. apparently he was pretty banged up last week. That's yeah, I'd heard. I think Bobby or somebody said that on the post game, which obviously I didn't know going in. But 
Um, well, he was wide ass open on a few downs that I saw. That's I had that written down in my notes. Like, man, there's guys running wide open all over the place, and we keep throwing the ball to deep to Worthy. Which, man, I've been there. You get here early. It's hey, where's option one? And he was, I mean, for the most part, he was open on most of them. He just threw it too early, and it's it's hard to find the ball if you're coming out of your break and whatever. That being said, effort. Not the greatest on a couple or ten, but um, is is worthy? Um, is he showing up the quarterback a little bit there? Like, hey, that was a terrible ball, so I'm not going to even try for it. Yeah, I'm a bad person to ask on that because I had a bad. I did not react very well to that back in my day. <laughs> so yes, in my opinion, he is. <laughs> um. But I was also the guy that thought that every ball that I threw was right where it should have been. So, uh oh, uh oh. Um, looking back on it, I mean, it, what would you say? 50 50? I mean, I, I do think maybe a little less. So, I will say if a, there was a play where the ball was so overthrown, I think Worthy legitimately thought someone was behind him. Yes. And he didn't want to try to make an attempt at the ball and do like a volleyball set, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple others where he doesn't finish out the route. It's almost like <sighs> you hit a little crappy tapper in the infield and you don't want to run your fastest to first yeah, base. They, yeah, they throw it too high and you would have been safe, but you weren't. Right. Yeah. So, I get it. With, the, the worst one to me, which – you can say wind or not wind. Well, was the corner route when we were tied there in the fourth for the perspective touchdown? Yeah, yeah. He just pulled up. That's that, tough. That wasn't a bad ball, and it wasn't a ball that was thrown that high. No, it was fairly well driven. Because I think at that point Quinn had kind of figured out how to get into the ball to sort of take the wind out of it a little bit. I'm not saying it didn't float a little bit, but it, it just it just didn't seem like he played the ball very well in the air. Well, if you like look I, earlier like in the route, he actually stumbles. So maybe oh, he did. He? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. So I think he just lost that throws everything off. Yeah, I think he lost his momentum. And then he sort of was like, well, I screwed up this route. I'll just sort of jog it through. And then he was like, oh, shit, he threw it like, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. I a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas in Stillwater. So, it's, it, it, in my opinion, it goes back to the whole thing. It's like, they should have won the game. Well, you know. If Except I for have, all the mistakes we just listed. If I wouldn't have hung that curveball or if the shortstop wouldn't have kicked that ball in the outfield and if this and if that, it's like, I hate to get in that. It's like, yeah, you should have won that game, but you also should have probably lost the Iowa State game if you're going to go by the same deal. So you kind of are what your record says you are, right? Yeah. Which is whatever in three at this point. Um, man, it's a big, it's a big game. It's a big game. I mean, I, I Oklahoma State was a big game for yeah. for conference championship purposes. This is a big game for season perspective purpose to me. Well. My 38 cent national championship bet is in jeopardy 
right now. <laughs> eh, I think you can probably, if you want to send me the 38 cents, I think you're all no, right 38 cents is potentially worth $190, Randy. Okay. Well, send me $190 and I think we're all right. Oh, okay. All right. You're supposed to offer me 95 to get me off the bet. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a better. Um, um, yeah, yeah, man. It is I, a big game, man. It, it's it, to me, it's huge. It is a huge game, but you know, it's also purpose. a huge game. If you're win or lose TCU coming to town. And then, I mean, every game, every, every game, every game on here out is going to be the biggest game of the year, right? Because they look, we've had, we've been, you, so, you've, you've lost, you've lost the ability to stumble. Right. At this point, the, te- the honestly, you lost the ability to stumble at the tech game. Yes. We've had, so, I think if ever, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we've had so much loss and beating since 2010 that people don't have sort of faith or buy-in, right? And so every week is sort of a new proving ground of, well, we proved we can handle this or we can't handle this. So now is it all going to fall apart or actually are we going to rally, finish nine and three or eight and four and go kick someone's ass in a bowl and we're all fired up for next year? Uh, And then we work the transfer portal, get a bunch of dudes on defense, which we're going to need. And then we're ready. Like we're reloaded. That offensive line matures. Quinn Ewers matures. Worthy's back. You know, we convinced Roshan to get a freaking PhD, you know, just (laughs) whatever. Sanders is back. I mean, or do we limp out six and six? go to a bowl, some minor terrible bowl, eke out and win against someone sorry, lose a couple of recruits, and then you're just like, man, did we progress at all? And we're just, we're, we're in a delicate psyche right now as a fan base. No, you're 100% correct. I think, I mean, I, I said it in an earlier podcast. Hey, what's it look like, right? Yeah. What does eight and four look like? What does nine and three look like? Last week did not look good, regardless of record. It Tech did. did not look good, regardless of record. Yeah. Iowa State really didn't look that good, regardless of record. So that's three in a row outside of West Virginia, which I think we talked about it couple plays here or there i still believe the team's really good i just don't know if the team believes they're really good no no no. wait west virginia we blew their doors off there's a couple plays a couple plays early in that game that's that swung that thing pretty significantly Eh, i don't know i i feel like we beat them every time oh we did we did i mean by the time the second half rolled around that game was over yeah i'm just saying early there was a couple plays that hmm yeah, that's fair. May may or may not have swung a little bit. Well, here's but. the funny thing. If you finish a strong eight and four, right? And you have a, a one point loss to Oklahoma, you know, to TCU at home, right? And you beat the other three. We rewrite the season in our heads. Texas went eight and four. Every single loss was by a touchdown or less. With 14 different points, Texas is undefeated, blah, 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 blah. You rewrite the entire season. Yep. Three-game improvement, yada, yada, yada. And if instead of that, if one punt gets shanked 
or one ball gets tipped and it's picked instead of a touchdown and you end up two and two down the stretch. It's we're went seven and five. We haven't moved a bit. Nothing's better. God dang it. Do we blow this all up? Well, let's see what happens in year three, right? We rewrite the whole postseason narrative based on a play potentially. Yeah, no, you're right. Weird. Which is, is not correct or fair, but that's what's no. going to happen. Yeah. I mean, seven and five should be looked at as an improvement because the team's better. I mean, I, I think we can both agree that the team's better. It is better. objectively better team. It's definitely better. We hold on to the recruits that are coming. It's going to continue to get better. Hit the portal, which you just hit on. Defensively, we're going to need several guys. Yeah, every level, basically. Um, but that's that's the thing. It's a perspective business, right? I mean, it's how it works. So how, if it's seven and five, what does a seven and five look like? If it's eight and four, what does that look like? How does the bowl game look? What are you selling? I think you, the, the biggest thing is I think you need viewers to play really well down the stretch. Honestly, I think that's the biggest selling point uh, moving forward. That would make people look, then you see the pieces, right? You see yours, yep. you playing with confidence. You see, you see the young offensive line effectively mm-hmm. all coming back, right? It's that side of the ball is a selling point. I think yeah. at this point, all rational fans understand what the defense is. Yep. And there's definite issues in the back seven. Hey, your, your selling points, we're going to go improve with recruiting and we're going to improve in the portal. If, if the offense can play well from here on out, I think that's your, that's your calling card. Well, and if it is truly a brave new world with NIL and the portal, there's a very realistic path for Texas to get five yep. average to high-quality starters, right? At linebacker, at cornerback, at safety. An edge, you get that, and yeah, you're cooking with gas. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we're starting to go into speculation mode. It's always fun, Randy. <laughs> I always look forward to talking to you, man. Uh, this is awesome, and uh, we'll have to do this obviously again before the Kansas State game this weekend. We get to get to sit back, not feel any pressure, and watch whatever games we feel like. Be nice. Be nice. No, no anxiety whatsoever. Just. Let the chips fall where they may. All right. I like that. Good goal. Sounds like a guy. Did I say that out loud? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Good platitude game. Sounds like a guy who's done it. Someone who's done it. Yeah. Don't let my in-laws hear that. That's right. Awesome. Uh, All right, man. Any parting thoughts on the uh, Houston Astros? I think they're the better team. I really do. I I think they've demonstrated that they know how to win the culture is a winning culture. If you give them a little sliver, they will take advantage of it. You know, I, I got to say too, and I don't have one one hundredth of your baseball knowledge or perspective, but I feel like this is obviously they need to win it all for this to be true. But low key, sounding like a millennial here, low key, this is one of the more dominant baseball teams we've seen in a while and i don't think people view the astros that way i'm not sure why but the pitching is so freaking good 
that maybe winning that way isn't perceived as as dominant as some gorillas mashing balls and you win 11 to six. I don't know. No, it's, it's a, it's a media thing. It's a hundred percent a media thing. Just as, because as, they hate Houston's ass. They, they just, it's, it's a Northeast bias. By the way, can, can I bring up Bob Costas? Oh Lord, please don't. Bringing up the scandal I immediately. To, I need to go to sleep at some point tonight. <laughs> immediately after they beat the Yankees, that's the first thing that he dude, says. I don't know what his deal was for like the last week, week and a half. That's brutal. He has been on a tear of just stupid take after stupid take, and then he yeah just rolls that in. It's like that doesn't have anything to do with anything, bro. Like. Just shut up. Like, thank, thank God for Pedro know. Martinez. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Pedro, hey, of all people, look at me. Of all people, Yankees. Pedro Martinez is the hero right now. Yankees, like, hey, look at me. Hey, Who is your daddy, that Yankees? That was great. That was, that's probably my, that was probably my favorite part of the entire postseason baseball. Was like, who's your daddy now? It's like, <laughs> didn't forget that, did you? But, that's um, killer. But no, man, I, it's a Northeast bias and a West Coast bias thing in the media. Um, as somebody that played my entire minor league career in the Northeast, like it's just a different, like that's their college football up there. Yeah. Like pro, pro sports is their, their college football. It's a little different. I mean, I know Houston's got their following and everything, but uh, I think the quote unquote cheating deal probably plays into it a little bit. Um, I, I just don't, I don't buy all that. I just think they're, that much more of a talented team. Um, and when I say talented, I don't mean you line up people one-on-one and have them do baseball skills. I mean, one through nine, that lineup keeps coming at you in different ways. Um, their pitching staff is about as deep as it gets. And man, I've always been a big Presley guy. Um, even back when he was with the twins coming up, because I kind of saw him a little bit when I was still still around um, in that world. He just, I don't know, he spins the ball so damn well, man. It's just, it's crazy. Like, but I, I just, to, to me, it's not a matchup, really. I mean, I know the Phillies are good. Don't get me wrong. You got Harper, blah, 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 all this stuff. They're just not as deep. They're not as talented. Yeah, hopefully that'll really show up in game six and seven when I'm counting my money. Astros you, you are going to freaking... Have a little, you do have a little bit more of an interest in seeing game six or seven than I do. Astros are going to freaking sweep them, and just despite me. Five games, bud. Five games. All right. All right. Well, hopefully seven. All right, Randy. It's been a pleasure, <laughs> as always, for Randy Boone. I'm Paul Bodlington saying enjoy your weekend. Bye. There you go, fellas. Bye-bye. Okay.